You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, we are kicking off hour two of the program live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios in beautiful Calgary, Alberta for Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Cracked Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls. Well, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. You can contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. Visit them at dlbasementsystems.com. Hour one in the books. Lots on the Flames and their loss to the Colorado Avalanche on Monday. And a look at tonight's opposition. Danny Webster joined us from the Las Vegas Sun to get you set for the opponent tonight, the Vegas Golden Knights at 19-5-5 entering action on Tuesday atop of the Pacific Division and on top of the NHL standings. If you missed any of it, check it out on the podcast. Google, Amazon, Spotify, your favorite podcatcher. Appreciate you being along for the ride. Outstanding producers on this Tuesday are Cam and Taylor. And the fan feedback line is open to you at 960-960. If you're listening live, shoot us a text. Love to chat with you on this Tuesday. Still to come this hour, Ken Duke, your 2023 Shaw Charity Classic champion, will join us on a great day for the city of Calgary and their golf scene. Shaw Charity Classic announcing $18.7 million donated this year to children's charities across Alberta. And Rogers announcing a five-year deal as the title sponsor for the tournament. Great news that we'll have one of the best sporting events in the city around for the long term. Excited to chat with Ken after his victory last summer at Canyon Meadows. Golf and Country Club. We'll continue the conversation now with the Calgary Flames, and we're going to hear from Brent Cron in just a few seconds. He joins the guys on the morning show following every Flames game here on Sportsnet 960. And in between the regular Cron humor and everything else, they they do dive into some pretty fun hockey topics. And um, last night there was a lot to dive into between the Flames and the Colorado Avalanche. And I've seen it a couple of times on the text line, and I think it's a good jumping-off point for a conversation. And our pal Matt and Cochran, who texted in on the regular, um, had pointed this out earlier and said, that last night felt like a contrast between the Flames and the Avs in star players. And that last night was the example of how one team has to go about their business because they don't have those star players and how life can be different if you have those guys. And that's not a knock on this version of the Calgary Flames because they are what they are. And that doesn't mean that they're not trying. It doesn't mean that they're not talented. It doesn't mean that there isn't the potential to be a good team. But you kind of see the difference between the haves and the have-nots, and why you so desperately want those star players on your team because they can change the game in a way that other players simply can't. And when you don't have that, that's a major part of your game that's missing, and it's something that the Calgary Flames have missed for a while, and it's not easy to pick up on and just find your next star player 
but it's part of why so many people, whether you want to be on Team Tank or you're on Team Retool or whatever, it's because, yeah, let's be honest, I think the draft is 99% of the time the most common way of finding a star player. And if the Flames do decide to go down that road of selling their UFAs, well, the more draft picks you have, the more lottery chances you have. And perhaps you have a better chance at finding that next star player. So we'll get into that in just a moment. But let's hear from Brent Cron. He talks about that uh, in this conversation with Matty Rose and George Russick. But he starts off on the position that he knows best. Talking about Brent, uh, talking about Dan Vladar, excuse me, the start for him last night against the Colorado Avalanche. What he thought, uh, despite giving up six goals on the night for Dan Vladar, a bit on Jonathan Huberto and his performance last night, and uh, some of the contrast uh, on star players that Colorado has, and maybe the star players that Calgary's missing. Here's Brent Cron uh, a little earlier today with the guys on the Big Show. I thought he was okay. You know, first period, he made some good saves. Flames had a bit of momentum. They blocked a ton of shots last night, too. Holy smokes. Like, yeah. Was it 30? When Tanev went out, they're like, we got to pick up the slack. Yeah. Right? But uh, I thought he was, I thought he was fine. I just, you know, that, and it's McKinnon on a breakaway, and it's 5-5. I get it. But that's a one-on-one, right? That's where he separates himself as a better goaltender, I right? I said it earlier. Sometimes like, you just need a save. You just need a save. And and they yeah. were up 5-3 going to the third period. And they I, the game was not over. But just by watching that game, you knew that that game was not over, right? Yeah. Um, And then, you know, that bad bounce on that fourth goal, right? Uh, Where it's just like, it's come on. Are you serious? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> And then McCarr decides, like, he's just going to wind it up again and <laughs> shoots it to the net and rant and then puts it in. It's like, boom, 5-5. Five, five. And then with that breakaway at 4.30, I'm like, in my mind, as I was watching, I'm like, I was cheering for Lodar. I'm like, make this save, make this save, because nobody cares if you're letting five goals. Make this save, make yeah. this save. And he just buried blocker. I mean, hey, that's a hell of a shot from a, a world-class player. Like, yeah. that stuff does happen. Right. But if you want to get out of that conversation of being a 1B guy, if you want to get out of that conversation of being kind of a game-breaking goaltender, mm-hmm. that's a save that... I want to see him make just because I am cheering for him. That's a save that that lets your teammates know. Lets your gives confidence to your teammates. Gives confidence to your coaching staff. That's a that's a save that Markstrom's been making this year too, for the most yeah. part, right? Um, so I was disappointed to see that one go in because that's that's it right there. You can hang your not your season, but to this point for Vladar, that's that's his make or break. Uh, that is the voice of our Big Show Flames analyst, Mister Brent Cron, courtesy of our good friends at All Kind Door. Services. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, nine sixty. The fan. Do you want to hear what Nathan McKinnon said post game about that shot? Okay. I'd love to. He has his cans on. Brent can hear. <coughs> Go up uh, low blocker. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think I saw? I think I was going high glove there, Peter. <laughs> Jesus, not that bad. Uh, yeah, no, I saw some room. Um, yeah, my uh, my my uh, mini breakaway in the first. I saw a little blocker, so I was kind of looking for that in third too. It's crazy how they. It's they always know. Yeah, they, they always know. know. It's yeah. like when you you look in the outfield in baseball and they got the players. And they're constantly checking their cheat sheets on what to expect <laughs> out of the batters, but they just know. Well, yeah. and, they and just know. do. And he's a left-handed shot coming in on the goalie's glove side with speed. Far side shot, tough to get. Right, and like that's a that's a goal scorer's goal. That's pl- the goal scorer. See it like he said, and it doesn't have to be much. It's over your pad, under your blocker. There was room, though. There was probably more room than needed to be, sure. honestly, the way he lined up. But that speed is so intimidating, though, right? Like, 
what okay so i'm i'm gonna get ready for the shot he's gonna burn me with a deke right like he's he's that player that that can change and identify mckinnon's that player that can change and identify on breakaways right the other part of this is that um there was the stoppage there was that tv timeout and they're, they're under pressure they're tr- they're trying to get the puck out a little bit vladar is going left to right and he's he's moving a lot in the third period they finally get the puck out Backlund dumps it in and it's mckinnon coming the other way two seconds later downhill i know what do you think of your goalie in that because you you're just trying to catch your breath i know and they and like you said they were snapping it around and they weren't getting a lot of shots through, but it just that movement of tracking left, right, up, back, over, just holy smokes. Like the power that, plays? Just, it's, and they, they, and those passes are so hard yeah. and fast. Like, but break my stick or my wrist trying to, trying to, like, they're just, it's crazy, right? And they're a fun team to watch. <laughs> like, it, 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 anytime Colorado's on, I watch just to see those guys just snap it around. Like, Georgiev, I think that's who was starting the net for, for, for Colorado. Five against on 22. How bad was that Coleman goal, too? Oh, man. He was not good at all. And they and they completely changed. I mean, they had to prove something. Like, McCarr was minus four going into the third period. McCarr was four. Taves was three. Uh, McKinnon was three. Rantanen was three. They were all minuses. And, and to my earlier point, when I said, wouldn't it be nice? You know, like, that's, that's a team with, like, the Flames are doing it by committee, and we love watching them play, and everybody's got to pull on the rope in the same direction. Their big boys in, in in Colorado last night were kind of asleep behind the wheel for most of the first two periods, and then and they get their chances here or there, and then the third period they almost it's just like, hey guys, you know what? We're, I don't know if you know this, but we're losing. We're down by two. We got to score three goals to win a hockey game here. I think we can do that. Yeah, I think we can do that. Okay, let's go and do that. Even before going on social media after the game, I thought this is going to be a big one for Team Tank. They're going to love this one <laughs> yeah. because there's multiple things that you love there if you're Team Tank. There's no points. In a game where you score five goals, there's some serious learning moments for guys like Slovyov and mm-hmm. Zary and Pospisil against a real top team yep. in the NHL. Yep. And on top of that, I, I think it really proved to you that you do, you can just go out and win a game with stars. Yeah. Because as far as the first 40 minutes, like the Flames did a lot of things that you like and you say, yeah, you should win this game. Well, and, and they're they're gritty. They were like you said, they're blocking shots. You look at those D men. I mean, three of them played over twenty minutes. They're just hunched over, you know, and they're just going back out and going back out. Gilbert, I thought, played a great game, like we discussed, a better game than he's had so far. And and then you just see that third period come and just kick you right in the berries. And it's like that's just how she goes. I remember hmm. one quick story. Um, playing for the Hitman my first year, and we were in Medicine Hat, and we were down five one going to the third period. And this is when Moran was around and Chris Beach and yeah. Pavel Rendell <laughs> and Jordan Kristanovich and the list goes on. And I just remember sitting there. I'm 17. It's you know earlier in the year. I'm kind of new to the Western Hockey League, and one of you'd the already guys- been pulled in this one. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they <laughs> left me. They left me in. Um, and obviously, uh, 33 and six that year. So you settle down. Over there. <laughs> <laughs> First round pick. Shut your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and one of the guys just gets up. And was like, hey boys, we're we need six. We need uh, five to win here. Let's let's go and get it for the third. There's no panic or nothing. And literally, I got maybe one shot from the other end of the ice, and we won six five. And I was like, <laughs> it's that simple. Like when you have players like yeah. that too, they're just such game breakers. That like, oh, you know what? Like here we go. Let's score. It was the five four goal. They made it five four, and it's like, yeah, they're gonna win this game oh, in regulation. Know. Yeah. You, you just you knew it, right? Yeah. But for me, it was even earlier that just that bad bounce where you're like, oh, here we go. That's the break Colorado needed to get some momentum. And then McCarr steps out and shoots and ran. And it's just like, yeah, this is okay. Yeah. Perfect. Right. Um, 
producer Patrick um, brought this up earlier in the show. Uh, I want him to read you Jonathan Huberto's scoreline from last night. Mm. Patrick, uh, the floor is yours. It is uh, zero goals, zero assists, zero plus minus, zero shots, one shot miss, one block shot, zero everything else, and he lost a face-off. A face-off. A face-off. Your thoughts? Yeah. Doesn't count the giveaway on the uh, penalty. Does, they, they didn't count the giveaway. 16-44 ice time. Yeah, you're not beating that Colorado Avalanche team without your stars, right? And Lindholm it, also was donuts. Yeah, for sure. Yep. But he's been kind of... But he made yep. a couple of good plays that led was, to goals. I thought he was better, yes. Oh, yeah, I, th- yeah. I thought he had an impact on the game. Yeah. Huberto, not so much. No, but that's the thing. This is this is a big game. It's big boy hockey. Yeah. You're, this is, this is five you, straight he doesn't have a point in. Right. But even like, okay, so... He's been struggling once again. He's been doing. We've been complimenting him on just playing the game of hockey, just playing R- the other right. things. Yes, right? and <laughs> oh, he's and, looking all right out there. He's doing yeah, his job, yeah, right? Kind of. I mean, and I, I'm. We sorry, have I'm, a good twirl <laughs> out there. Wow, both yeah, skates are exactly. like sweating Stick tonight. Great. <laughs> you know? And I mean, I know I'm being a bit of a jerk, but no, it, it's fair. But it, you sit there, and it's just like, man, oh man, that, these are the games that a guy like Huberdeau. That's what the Flames need. Somebody that's going to mm-hmm. break the game open for the Flames. Mm-hmm. That's why he's here, and when you see McKinnon break the game open, and you see McCarr break the game open, you Rantanen. see Ranton and break the and Nishushkin break the game open, and and we're just like squeezing every ounce of everything out of everybody every night. It is it, it's, it's almost infuriating being a Flames fan because you just see how easy it is, and it's not easy. They're skilled players. I'm not saying the game is easy, but when you have players like that, you can have a bad night and win. You know, if mm-hmm. if the Flames have a bad night. Be picking in the top five to get those guys exactly right, and that they've had to bottom out, yeah, right. And so, do you want to continue to to lose to the big guys and just be around, or you know, I mean, that's a tough call, and that's something that you know, Craig Conrad and the team's gonna have to and, figure and, out. There you go. That's Brent Cron. He joins the guys on the morning show every day following a Flames game here on Sportsnet nine sixty. That was just part of their conversation today. You can find the whole thing wherever you get your Sportsnet nine sixty podcast. And there's a lot of good stuff there from Cron, but that last part was what I really wanted to key in on and that conversation about star players. And Cron said it perfectly there. They they make it easy, right? And it doesn't mean that the game's easy or that it doesn't take any skill to be in the NHL. It's the exact opposite of what he's saying. But they can change the game a lot easier than a regular player can. And when Cron was talking about, you know, this team, this Flames team, you know, having to pull every single ounce out of everybody every night to try to get the results, it just shows you the contrast between, again, the haves and the have-nots of the National Hockey League and why I think this season is so important for this team to take a chance that they haven't taken in a while and put a bit of a reset on and I don't even think it has to be a long-term reset if that's if the organization doesn't want to go down that road for whatever reason I don't think it has to be a long-term thing I think this year if anything has proven that it doesn't have to be because the Zaries the Pospisils the Solovyovs the Wolves have stepped up I think you're learning that maybe there was a bit more in the cupboard ready to go for the Flames than we initially thought. But that doesn't change the fact that this team doesn't have that guy. I mean, Colorado, as you heard the guys say there, 
They probably got a couple of those guys. I mean, do the Flames have, and I'm not, this isn't trying to, to, you know, demean anything that this team has done because believe me, the respect I have for, for Blake Coleman and, and Rasmus Anderson and the guys on this team that are trying to carry them on a night in and night out basis, but just aren't superstars. It's an immense amount of respect, but I just don't know that this team is ever going to get there based on just trying to to beat them every night by outworking because the skill changes everything. And that play by McKinnon might have just been the perfect example of what the Flames don't have. They have one of those guys that's going to pick the puck up in the neutral zone when you need it the most and change the game on the, the edge of their stick. I just don't know if they have that. And you need that in the National Hockey League. I believe that more than anything. You need the star power to get there or else you're going to live in this murky middle that doesn't doesn't get you anywhere. So if it means selling off UFAs and taking as many stabs at it in the lottery as you can with the draft picks, then I think that's an okay route for the Flames to go down. I don't think there's anything wrong with admitting that you need a star player or star players to get yourself to the next level. I, there's nothing wrong with that. That's just reality. That's not taking a shot at the current group. That's not taking a shot at administration or whoever built this team in the past. That's just the reality of the situation. And again, it's not a shot at, at Coleman or Anderson or Lindholm or any of the guys that have been here the last couple of years and this year specifically and have tried to get it done on a nightly basis as a committee rather than a, a group of, of star players. But just tell me what team has got it done without one of those guys recently because it just hasn't happened. So I, I think this is going to be an opportunity, as, as Brent Cron said at the end there, for Craig Conroy and the rest of this management staff to evaluate and assess maybe what this team so badly needs since the departure of, of Matthew Kachuk and, and Johnny Gaudreau. I don't think you... I think you can build a good team. I don't think you can build a great team without some star power, and right now this team is desperately lacking in star power. Some of your texts at 960-960. The fan feedback line is always open to you. You can shoot us a text if you're listening live. Uh, this text says, It's not minor hockey. You need to roll four lines, unlike Huska, who rolls two, two and a half lines from start to finish. I see that a little differently. I see a coach that shortens his bench in the third period based on who's going that night. Because you don't have the option of, like, it's not... For Colorado, in the last five minutes of a game, you know who you're throwing out regardless of your roster, regardless of who's going that night. You know who you're throwing out there on double shifts to try to get it done. Right? It's those guys we just talked about. McCarr's going to be out there. McKinnon's going to be out there. Rantanen. Those kind of guys, they're always going to be out there. For the Flames, I don't know. I think you've, you've got to just go with whoever's going that night. And I think that's why it changes for Ryan Huskin. I, I actually don't mind that approach. If you're going one night, uh, and it means you're going to get the ice time in the third period to try to get their team back in a game, then sure. 
I'm okay with that. Uh, Joel and Cranston texted in saying, Hi guys, is Lindholm's value dropping? And if so, how much? Uh, is Lindholm's value dropping? Uh, I, I, if I was to be honest, I'd say probably a bit. I, I don't know that it's it's fallen off of a map by any means. I don't know that he's... He certainly hasn't raised his trade value. How about that? I think NHL GMs, for the most part, for a guy that's 29 years old, I think they know what Elias Lindholm is. His points are down a bit this year, uh, as they have been. I mean, you know, he had chemistry with Toffoli last year. He had Kachuk and Goudreau within the year before. Hasn't really found that chemistry this year. I think you know what Elias Lindholm is. I don't think he's skyrocketed his value, but I don't think he's hurt it necessarily either. Uh, Kelly says, what would it take to get Nylander out of Toronto in a perfect world? I mean, I don't know that there's anything right now in reality that would get him out of Toronto. And I'm, I'm just trying to be honest. I mean, unless he says to the Maple Leafs, I'm not re-signing with you. I'm going to walk as a free agent. And then they had to trade him. But I mean, the Leafs are trying to win a cup this year. And that guy's their leading scorer. He's got 34 points in 25 games. Matthews has 28. Marner has 26. Neil, uh, Tavares has has 25. I don't I just don't see a world where the Leafs are trading William Nylander unless he says I'm not I'm not coming back. And then then I think you could have a conversation about maybe some defensemen or maybe a goalie in Toronto that might interest them but it's going to be a very high price to pay. He has raised his level this year. Uh, Mike from Huntington says, plain and simple, the Flames have never been able to replace a Goudreau or a Matthew Kachuk. They need a game breaker. It's not Jonathan Huberto. That's becoming rather obvious. Uh, this text says, from Warden Calgary, great point, but teams ahead of you in the draft usually get the stars. Hey, and fair enough. I, mean, I guess you just, all I would say is, A, the more draft picks you have, the more opportunity you have. Perhaps you could, I don't even want to use this example because I don't think it's fair but maybe you have similar success to a year that uh, Dallas had when they picked up like three or four regular guys plus in their lineup, right? I, I think of it more as a, you have more chances at the lottery the more times you pick. And I think obviously it'd be great to pick number one and have your your selection of all of the available players, but that's why you have scouting staffs and that's why you pay guys to to evaluate talent so that if you're picking fifth or sixth or seventh, you can still find yourself a, a very good player. Maybe not the number one overall player, but still a good player regardless. Uh, this one says, from Mick, you can call it whatever you want, but they need to bottom out long enough to get a number one center like Elias Pettersson or a number one D like Quinn Hughes. They might have other pieces already, but until they get the two most important pieces, there's no cup. Uh, I'm so confused. Um, is, is Huberto, Markstrom, Kadri not superstars? You're paying them like they are. I mean, on the Huberto front, you are certainly paying for a, a for a superstar 
output, but you're not getting it in return. I I think Kadri and and Markstrom are are adequately paid for what they are. I think they're good players. I think they're very at sometimes great players. I don't think they're in the category of superstar players. Uh, Patrick in Calgary says, I'd love to see Kadri and Kane on the same line, although they might be in the box together. Uh, yeah, that's that's one I don't think you're going to see anytime soon. Uh, Mike in Regina says, Flames spent their cash on the game changer, superstar power play player in Huberto. Just imagine 10 and plus, 10.5 plus Markstrom at six. I'm okay with Wolf and Vidara net. That's 16 and a half to get yourself what you really need. Uh, this one says, Hey logo, Justin from Edison hat. I think it's time to start a rebuild. I'm excited for players like Zary and to possibly get a few more high draft picks to get the ball rolling. Uh, a couple more here on the text line while we're going, uh, nine, six, zero, nine, six, zero. This says, uh, I think one of the problems we have in Calgary that everyone sees the money that Huberto is making and seeing that he's doing nothing. And they just keep giving them opportunity after opportunity playing whatever line works for him. I think they should put him on the fourth line for a while. Let him see what it's like to do some checking and maybe uh, give him the odd opportunity to see if he wants to come around. I think it's not fair for the rest of them to have somebody make that much money and not do his job. Uh, speaking of Matt and Cochran, uh, since we won't be getting uh, a draft along with our new arena here, perhaps Gary could slip us some extra lottery balls. Hashtag slacking for Macklin. Uh, and this one says from Greg and Martindale. Uh, Flames traded Hall to win a cup. Leafs can hold Nylander if they want. Uh, but they need goaltending and D for sure. Yes, going back to that earlier text, asking about um, maybe getting a star player like William Nylander out of Toronto. All I know uh, as we have this discussion is um, you can see the contrast, as Matt and Cochran pointed out, uh, on a night like last night between the teams that have those superstars and the impact that they can make uh, on a nightly basis, maybe compared to uh, the group in Calgary. that has got a lot of good players, but... Maybe nobody in that superstar category right now. We'll take a break. Come back on the other side. We had a lot of fun this summer at the Shaw Charity Classic. Uh, and uh, this man that's going to join us next had a lot of fun there. He picked up a big win. Ken Duke, your 2023 Shaw Charity Classic champion, is going to join us because uh, today, a fantastic day in the city of Calgary and for our friends at the Shaw Charity Classic uh, as they have crossed the $100 million milestone in donations uh, reaching uh, Calgary and area children's charities across Alberta and Rogers communication also announcing a new five-year deal as the title sponsor for the tournament. Uh, it's going to be great to check in with the 2023 Shaw charity classic winner, Ken Duke, get you more information on what's been an outstanding year for the Shaw charity classic and the future uh, of the event here in Calgary. That's where we're headed next as Sportsnet today rolls on here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. A very cool announcement today from the Shaw Charity Classic presented by Rogers. It was a great success back in the summer, and today we find out that the 11th annual edition of the tournament reached a key milestone as they have raised over $100 million since its inception for children's charities across Alberta. Rogers Communications also announcing a new five-year deal as the title sponsor for the tournament, they helped raise $18.7 million this year for 272 charities. Of course, bringing the total raise since the tournament's inception to $112.3 million. 
The charitable giving arm of the event was created back in 2015, and it supports thousands of youth across the province annually in areas including counseling, sports, family support, and more. A great announcement today that Roger is going to be the title sponsor for the tournament for the next five years, and congratulations to Chris Dorn and everybody involved in the Shaw Charity Classic on reaching that $100 million milestone in a tradition and a tremendous, excuse me, uh, 11th edition, raising $18.7 million of that just in last year's tournament. And uh, speaking of last year's tournament, uh, back in the summer, uh, it was a pretty good one for our next guest coming down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon, picking up his first Champions Tour victory. It is Ken Duke who was here in Calgary back in the summer. Ken, thanks for your time today, sir. How are you? Hey, Logan, man, I really appreciate it, man. Doing fine, thank you. I hope you guys are doing well. We're doing well, sir. Appreciate your time today. And uh, a big day out here in Calgary with the Shaw Charity Classic announcing uh, $18.7 million raised from this year's tournament and now over the $100 million mark raised since they started the charitable arm of the event. Just how cool is it? Does a guy that's played here in Calgary has some ties to the area to hear about those kind of milestones from the tournament? Yeah, it's just absolutely amazing. I mean, I started my career up there back in the late 90s, early 2000s, and and, and still getting a chance to play up there at this time. And, and what Rogers and Shaw, the families, have done for, you know, the, the, the province of Alberta and the, and the city of Calgary, it's just absolutely stunning. You know, I know the, the PGA Tour Champions Tour, they, they really enjoy coming up there and working with the families and obviously all the charity dollars that they've raised uh it's just it's just a wow factor on my book and uh, look you mentioned you had your first champions tour win in calgary last summer i know that was special uh, does it sort of just add to the uh, already connection that you have with canada with the tournament now that you got a win under your belt and you can say you're a, a big part of raising all that money yeah exactly yeah i mean it's always you know exciting to win and you never know when it's your turn but Obviously, you know, getting it my first one, you know, up there, it's kind of where I started my career 30 years ago. And, um, you know, it's always – that's what we do out here on the PGA Tour Champions is, is to help raise money and, and support as many charities as we can. And, and to get a win up there, it's just uh, – it's been great. It's, uh, the people are wonderful. You know, all these years I've played, I still have ties up there in, in, in Edmonton and Lacombe and Calgary and – uh, it's just great uh, to be a part of the whole the whole umbrella of everything that they do. It really is remarkable to to be able to express those numbers and see how much that they've raised for the local charities. But I guess from your perspective, Ken, how have you seen the the Shaw Charity Classic tournament grow as a as an event over the years? Because we've always heard, like yourself, this is an event that guys have have loved coming to. But we spoke to Mike Weir last year. We spoke to a couple others who said. It just gets better every year, and the people working on the tournament make it such a fun event for the players to come to, and I imagine that's the same experience you've had. Yeah, no question. And obviously, you know, we stay downtown, and a lot of things going on downtown with all the activities, and, and the golf course is great, too. And, you know, and the guys from the Stampede that, that does all the announcing on the first and the 10th team, that just kicks up the whole crowd. Everyone wants to come out for it. Um, you know, in the summertime, I don't know if there's a lot going on up there in the summer, but our tournament or the Shaw Charity Classic is the probably one of the number one things later in the in the summer. And uh, you know, it's a big there's a big golf community, and yep. you know, when there's a, 
a lot of you know Hall of Famers and named players like Mike Weir and Bernard Langer and some of those Hall of Famers coming out to play in your city. You're going to come out there and support it. And obviously, with the with all the charity giving back that that Shaw and Rogers has done, that's that's what it's all about. Uh, you mentioned your ties to the community and a, a pretty cool story you told back uh, here in Calgary. I'd love if you would tell our listeners again, but you had uh, some billet family in Lacombe and Ken and Lorraine, and uh, they were able to be alongside you for your victory this year. Just how cool was that? Yeah, it was nice. You know, when we started out, you know, a long time ago, a lot of us didn't really have a whole lot of money and, you know, families like that opened their home and let us stay, stay with them and cook for us and to save money. And uh, we, that's just kind of what I've done over the all the years I've played. I've just kept in contact with a lot of families like that, and and uh, they came. They've come down every single year that we've played. And you know, I got a good friend, Mogan Smed, there as well. You know, he built that Falkridge out there, out by Prairie Screens, you know, in in uh, Spruce Meadows. So you know, there's just a lot of people that that we run across, and and um, you know, still I still keep in contact with. But it was just special. That uh, Ken and Lorraine was there. Uh, me making the putt on the last hole. It was uh, it was breathtaking, man. It was pretty fun. You still uh, still got fond memories of that as the months have gone on. <laughs> I still think about it. I still watch it and see if uh, I can still get the same outcome. I'm just not sure, but uh, I, I keep getting the same outcome. But it's great. Yeah. Was that a, a bit of a weight off your back, Ken? I I, I know on a professional tournament, uh, the goal is always to win. But there's a lot of great golfers out there and. I think sometimes we, we take for granted what it's like to be the, the final man standing when it's all said and done. I imagine that was, you know, obviously a great personal accomplishment for you, but was it also a bit of a weight off your shoulders? It definitely was. You know, I played the PGA Tour for 15 years, and I got lucky only won one time out there, but finished second a handful of times. And same with out here on the PGA Tour champions. But you kind of feel like you belong, you know, part of the whole family out there with, with all the guys that's won, and a lot of them do it, you know, more than some others. But uh, that just shows you you put the hard work in, and, and you trust your game. And you do have to get some breaks here and there, which we all do. But it uh, it's a lot of weight off your shoulders. You feel like that you can play a little more free. And like I said before, you you kind of feel like you belong in the whole family of the the PGA Tour champions. Uh, and Ken, just before we let you go, uh, as part of this, we mentioned Rogers uh, announcing they're going to be the title sponsor for the next five years. How uh, Cool was it to hear as part of the announcement today that you know the Shaw Charity Classic is is going to remain in Calgary and remain a big part of the uh, sporting scene on the Champions Tour going forward. Yeah, it was wonderful to hear that, and and obviously out there at Canyon Meadows, what a wonderful golf course, and their staff out there as well. And you know, it's just a big part of our tour, you know, worldwide tour that we get to travel up there and play. And and I know a bunch of guys are going to start coming you know, more and more guys coming up there just because they hear all the really good things from uh, from us that, that what Shaw and Rogers is doing. And, and this is the city of, of Calgary. Uh, just uh, it's, that's what it's all about, having a good time and obviously playing a good golf course. Uh, Ken, look, it's uh, tremendous to, uh, to have you on today. It was great to have you back here in Calgary. And I know a lot of people have enjoyed uh, seeing you get picked up that victory this summer because you do have such a great connection to Calgary and to some of those cities around here. So once again, congratulations on your victory back in the summer, sir. Thank you for taking some time to join me today. I really appreciate it. No problem. And I will wear that cowboy hat with, with great pride. I thank you guys so much. We love to hear that back next year again, Ken. Yes, sir. I will definitely be there. I may even come back early. Who knows? Can't wait to see you again, Ken. Enjoy your time. Hey, <laughs>
You got it, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Ken Duke joining us. The 2023 Shaw Charity Classic champion joining us on a very special day where Shaw Charity Classic announcing uh, that they have raised over $100 million, $112.3 million to be correct, uh, to be exact on it, for the charitable arm uh, giving to uh, youth uh, charities across the province, uh, counseling, sports, family support. You can go to their website, uh, check out the announcement, and go through the list of charities um, that the Shaw Charity Classic reaches every single year. It's an unbelievable tournament. It has, as Ken mentioned, that part in August can be a slow time in the sports scene, and the Shaw Charity Classic has changed that since its inception, and it's now, I think it's the biggest sporting story in the city when the Shaw Charity Classic comes to town. They're back next year at the Canyon Meadows Golf and Country Club, August 14th to the 18th, 2024. Star players, you've heard some of the names that he mentioned there. Ken Duke, a first-time winner on the Champions Tour. Uh, And for them to raise more than $112 million in 11 years, $18.7 million of that just last year at Canyon Meadows Golf and Country Club for the Shaw Charity Classic. Uh, I can't say enough good things uh, about Chris Dornan, the rest of the crew, uh, that works for the Shaw Charity Classic, does great work at Canyon Meadows. We started to do more with them at the station over the last couple of years. Uh, this partnership with Rogers and Shaw is only going to expand that, and I really can't wait for August to come around because I'm excited to see. Uh, hopefully we have more of a presence there next year and we can be even more involved because um, it's a great tournament. It's as I mean, if you want to see pro golf and some of the legends, you can't get any closer than you do at Canyon Meadows Golf and Country Club. They put on an absolute first-class event, and they're doing it to help charities across the province and uh, to hear them reach that $112 million mark. Really a tremendous accomplishment. And again, uh, thanks to Chris Dorn and the rest of the crew for helping us set that up for Ken. Uh, with Ken this afternoon, thank you to Ken Duke for joining us. Uh, really loved it. Can't wait to be back there again. August 14th to the 18th. 2024, the Shaw Charity Classic back again at Canyon Meadows Golf and Country Club. A new five-year partnership with Rogers as the title sponsor, reaching over $112 million donated since the inception of the event 11 years ago, and $18.7 million of that reached last year. So again, congratulations to everyone involved with the Shaw Charity Classic presented by Rogers. Cannot wait to be back again in the summer. I'm Logan Gordon along with you. Cam and Taylor, my outstanding producers on this Tuesday. Flames game day, 8 o'clock starts a late one. Get your coffee on, Cam. Get a couple energy drinks in you and get ready for tonight's matchup. Going to get ready for Steinberg. He's got Flames warm-up at 7. He'll get you all the details. Dustin Wolf, your expected starter tonight for the Calgary Flames. He can tell you that Nick Simone has been recalled from the Calgary Wranglers. And Matt Coronado has been sent down to the Wranglers after not playing in Monday's game against the Avalanche. And Chris Tanev, day-to-day with an upper body injury, not available for the Flames tonight as they take on the league-leading Vegas Golden Knights. It's going to be a heck of a challenge tonight. Looking forward to it. Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson have the call tonight. You can listen to it live right here on Sportsnet 960. Or, of course, you can watch the game. It's going to be on Sportsnet 1 tonight. Sportsnet West going to be occupied with the Battle of the Connors. McDavid v. Bedard. 
happening up the road in Edmonton for the first time. Uh, John Bucci Gross, the rest of the ESPN crew, all up in Edmonton getting set for the Connor Bowl. Do we, like, are we excited about this? I know we're Flames fans. We're kind of worried about our own situation here. But, like, Taylor, is anybody is anybody really up for the, the, the Connor v. Connor storyline? Is that a thing? I mean, everything that I've seen and heard, nobody cares. It there- feels like it's being overhyped. I don't know why this is such a... Like, I, I get they're going up against each other for the first time. It's not like they're... Are they rivals? Do they not like each other? I think it's just they're trying to pit first overall picks against each other named Connor. Like We've got all these, like, I see all these betting sites have uh, Bedard as your first goal scorer, McDavid first goal scorer, who finishes with more points, total shots on goal between the Connors. I was just very surprised. I'm like, I kind of get, like, the first overall versus second overall thing. Like, we had Carlson... And Bedard the other night when the Blackhawks met up against the the Ducks. But this one feels kind of manufactured. Yeah, see, you're in the same draft. You They put McDavid and Eichel against each other so many times. But it doesn't make sense almost no. 10 years in between. Yeah, they don't, they don't really feel like that's the same kind of natural rivalry. I guess we'll see. Maybe they... Maybe they have a secret rivalry going on that none of us know about. But they're both just kind of quiet guys that are really good at hockey. And I don't know how uh, how uh, much of a, a rivalry there is, but I guess we'll see. Uh, go ahead. I think it's going to make the NHL a lot of money. <laughs> and so I think it's probably in their best interest to be like. I mean, maybe. Oh, I yeah. guess. I don't know. David and Bedard. Tuesday night in Edmonton. Age old enemies. I guess. <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> Neither one of them are going <laughs> to. The NHL markets the most random matchups. I, what? I, I get it's first overall versus first overall, but I mean, I don't know. They train together. And Connor had like a 30 second answer. Oh, he's very good. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, they're both good hockey players. We'll see. That's an 8 o'clock start, part of 10 matchups on the NHL schedule tonight. Again, you can watch that game if you're interested in Connor v. Connor. That's at 8 o'clock on Sportsnet West Flames and Golden Knights on Sportsnet 1. Sportsnet Pacific has the Lightning and the Canucks at 8 o'clock. The Sportsnet Television Network will bring you uh, the Coyotes and the Penguins tonight uh, for a 5 o'clock start for Crosby versus Cooley, another NHL rivalry. Uh, tale as old as time. That's why doesn't that get as much plug? Why isn't <laughs> why isn't Logan Cooley versus Sidney Crosby on national TV? Uh, Hurricane Senators, Leafs, Rangers, Red Wings, and Blues. Uh, Blues did put Jacob Vrana on waivers earlier today. We'll see if he gets claimed uh, on Wednesday morning. Flyers and the Preds go at six. Uh, your late games: uh, Panthers at Seattle Kraken, Jets at the at the San Jose Sharks. Excuse me. 8.30, puck drop there. No Kyle Connor for the Jets. Rick Bonus announcing he's going to be out six to eight weeks with an injury. Uh, that'll do it for today's program. Uh, it was a busy one. Flames game day, of course, the main topic. Uh, we talked about their game against the Avs. Talked about the lack of star power for this group. And also uh, joined by Danny Webster for a look at the opposition who 
Uh, he writes for the Las Vegas Sun covering the Golden Knights. So if you want a Golden Knights perspective ahead of tonight's matchup, you can go ahead, check us out on the podcast, Google, Amazon, Spotify, your favorite pod catcher. We'd love for you to be along for the ride. If you sent us a text today at 960-960, uh, greatly appreciate it. Thanks to my outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor, for their great work on this Tuesday. We'll be back tomorrow to break it all down. We'll have two games out of this three-game road trip in the books for the Flames. We'll see what it looks like uh, on Wednesday. Plus, uh, our regular chats with Andy McNamara and Ailish Forfar coming up on a Wednesday. So looking forward to that. Enjoy the Flames and the Golden Knights. Back tomorrow, same time, same place. You're on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.